We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 459 of the Barcelona Podcast for us people on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dean Hilton, and he's Levon, a.k.a. Barcelona. And today, we're talking some Atletico Madrid, some La Liga title chatter, and whatever else comes up. So, Levon, you ready to jump right in? What up? How's everybody? How are you? Doing okay. I, I, I want to say that people were pretty receptive to that listener question thing. So, as Levon and I were just talking about some of the summer plans that... Over the summertime, what I might be doing just to make it easier on me as well would be I'll put out those listener questions on the weekend. People will send in a bunch of them. And then let's say on a Monday or a Tuesday, Levon and I hit half of those. And then I'll finish the rest of them on a Thursday or a Friday. And that means that people still have two shows in their ears. And again, the the reception on the listener question stuff was pretty positive. So I'm happy to hear that. And so that's a little bit of a programming note and update to I think what some of the summer plans might be to make it easier for everyone else. But again, if people are enjoying it, that, that works for me too. So let's focus first though on Atletico Madrid. But actually, before we talk about the actual game, Levon, I do want to hit like a big picture thing, like in the, in the macro sense, not just about Atletico Madrid or even this season. So for some reason, maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever it was this morning, but I wanted to give a little pushback here to the talking point about yesterday, proving all the reasons why Barca isn't ready to compete for the Champions League. Because the last time I checked, this squad, as it's constructed now, won't be the team in the group stage of the Champions League in a few months. We can talk about how different the squad may look and how it may look very similar to this one's or what good or bad the club will do in the transfer window, which again, I've when I hear certain rumors and things like that, I've been critical, I think, in the last few weeks of some of the rumors I've heard. But this whole thing about Eric Garcia not being up to snuff as a substitute in the Champions League was true this year. And well, it was Marcus Alonso and not Eric Garcia, but you get the point. And I don't think that will probably be true next year. I picked him, I picked Eric Garcia for the example because... People know I do value him, sure, but I can easily see him finding an exit because of Inigo Martinez's arrival. So I don't blame people because we do live in the wings, the rings culture era, as they say in basketball. And winning the Liga means you have to figure out how this team can win the next one. So as a Liga, because Barcelona got to three points here, and it's not all doom and gloom today, and all the alarm bells aren't ringing, because of that fact, I think now it's an immediate, okay, now Barcelona have done the Liga, and that'll be done. So what's going to take? What is the XYZ? that has to happen for this team to be ready to win the Champions League. And, and I felt like yesterday I was too busy asking whether or not they had what it took to win the, the Liga trophy and hang on to the Liga trophy, which this team proved yesterday that they're good enough to do to consider the Champions League. Because yes, while I consider the core of this team and what, is Gab, what does Gabi have to prove or how does he have to improve to Barca to win the Champions League? If he's going to be a starting midfielder as Barca are hoisting the Champions League trophy, what does he have to improve? Araujo, Koundé, Pedri. Like those are the names and even Dembele, like those are the names that we can talk about, about what needs to change or how can they improve or how do they fit in the big Champions League picture? Sure. But like to to argue with me that, I mean, for example, I I don't know, like that Anjo Alarcon and Pablo Torre didn't get enough minutes yesterday. So therefore (laughs) Barcelona won't be winning the the Champions League next year because they're not fostering their their young players or whatever, like the the, the strongman argument is like that stuff is, that stuff's beyond nonsense. But even the Eric Garcia thing, like Eric Garcia and Marcus Alonso yesterday, I don't care how they did because, again, at the end of the day, I don't think they're starting in any Champions League final for Barcelona. Like, it just, that's not the case. Like, even if Alonso's around next year, by the time Barcelona's maybe ready to compete, I mean, yeah, maybe next year, sure, but in two or three years' time, like, he won't be around. So it's like, I, I don't want to have that 
it just it's just like I don't know, exhausting to me. Yeah, so I mean, Madrid won the Champions League, and then the next season they got kicked out by Ajax, humiliated in the Bernabeu four-one, completely played off the pitch, and then the next season they won the Champions League again. So everything that could have gone wrong went wrong during the group stage, starting with drawing the group of death. Then in Bayern, oh, in Munich, we played better than Bayern Munich and ended up losing 2-0 because, hey, you know, football is football and sometimes uh, certain moments go uh, in your favor and sometimes they go against you. Then at Inter, Inter beat us with a ridiculous XG. Their XG, that game was like 0.1. Mm-hmm. Uh, one shot outside of the box. And it's true that we did not do that much better, but we did create a little bit more than them. And we had that penalty ruled out, which was a ridiculous penalty to be ruled out in the age of VAR. Then at home against Inter, hey, those were very punctual defensive mistakes by, I think, one with Eric Garcia and one with Piquet. And it was very uncharacteristic of Piquet to actually make a mistake in a big game against a quality opponent. Because not when he was young, not when he was old, did Piquet play that poorly or make that kind of mistakes in big games. So it's just a lot of things went against us. And that doesn't mean that, you know, next season we can win it. But if you look at the quarterfinals now, Milan, Benfica, Inter, like, do do they have better teams than we do? Do they have better squads than we do? How many of their players would you put in our squad? You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't put that many players. And, And I know that everybody wants, like, they don't just want... Balde, they want Balde and his backup to not even be Jordi Alba because Jordi Alba is not even good enough to be a backup for some fans. They don't want Kessi on the team because Kessi is not even good enough to be a squad player, according to some fans. Even though Kessi was one of the best players in Milan that won the uh, Serie A for the first time in, what, 10 years mm-hmm. last season. So I, I don't think our squad is that far off. That doesn't mean that we're at the level of, say, Bayern. But on the other hand... Would you be surprised if Madrid wins it this season? No. No, of course not. Like, no. And, sure. and and who has been better this season? Madrid or Barcelona in Spain? Right. I mean, so, even, even, even if... So what are we talking if, about? If Real Madrid wins it, that means they beat Man City. Who's been a better team for the last 10 months or five years? Real Madrid or Man City, right? Like, if Man City is upset in that, in that semifinal, like, yeah, I mean... That's how the Champions League goes, and I, I truly, like, we can recast the Champions League arguments. I just mean, like, even the system. Like, you watch the 90 minutes, because now we're going to start to focus on Atletico Madrid, right? I watched the 90 minutes of Atletico Madrid, and again, I'm not able to watch that game in a nutshell with the squad that, that was there and be able to answer, what was that squad going to win the Champions League? Well, no, because even, I think the big thing from yesterday was Frankie de Young was just coming back, played 77 minutes. Pedri comes off the bench as a substitute, and... I mean, basically turns the tide of not the game, but the way that Barca are controlling that match, the minute he comes on the field. I mean, Xavi and players afterwards said it, that Pedri and De Jong give that team a calm and a boost that was totally necessary. And that was something I had said for the last two weeks now, that when those two come back, if they were able to come back for Atletico Madrid, that was going to be an important, significant, or should have been, or could have been, the boost that that team needed to get three points. Because whether that score was one nothing yesterday or what it probably should have been, which is 3-1. I mean, 3-1 is actually what that score probably should have been or could have been on paper, whatever, but winds up being one nothing. So either way, regardless of what goals were scored and what goals weren't scored, Barcelona got the result at home with two players returning that are two of their Gala 11, two of their top, what, seven players returned to the team and bolster it, and, and, and they were good enough. I mean, especially, yeah, from the first half, it, w- it was tough. Like, the first half was difficult as Atletico Madrid is going to be, right? Like it, Barcelona all season long have struggled against five three twos, right? And so what is the perfect example of that? I wouldn't even say in Spain, but in world football over the last now four months, the best team to play a five three two has been Atletico Madrid because they hadn't lost since January the 8th in the Liga to Barcelona one nothing, oddly enough. And they had a 12 match unbeaten streak in the competition. Like I knew they won. I know they lost in a couple of the Ray to, uh, to Real Madrid, but they also were rotated that week and whatever it was. But Atletico Madrid were playing their style, playing well and on top form and were the top team in, t- in Spain since the beginning of January. 
and Barcelona stopped them in their tracks because they reminded Diego Simeone that not only has Atletico Madrid not beaten Barcelona in 17 years at the Camp Nou, but Diego Simeone has never beaten Barcelona. Well, obviously, <laughs> like with that stat, 17 years, Diego Simeone has never beaten Barcelona at the Camp Nou, and history winds up being more important than all of that momentum and form and all those good things. And Atletico Madrid have to go home and say, we didn't get a goal. Not only that, but Ferran Torres is the one who got a goal on the other side and said to put us to the sword. Ferran Torres scores important goals. Like he does. Yeah. yeah. Ferran Torres in clutch moments against non-elite teams. Forget about it. But by now he has already scored against uh, Atleti. He has scored twice against Madrid. He has scored in... Like last last season's Europa League campaign, he scored in every knockout round uh, except Galatasaray. So yeah, there, there, there's that. I actually thought he was uh, he was okay yesterday. I was a little bit little bit saddened that Ansu didn't get to play. Atleti has been good this season. They started out terribly. I'm I'm always kind of like um, I'm one of the few culés who actually likes. Atletico Madrid, especially in Spain. Here in Spain, uh, a lot of Barca fans, they look down on any team that does not play our style or that does not play attacking football. But I love what El Cholo Simeone has done with Atleti. In general, I like their attitude. I like that they have a trainer who never uh, whines in the press about, about anything. And I thought they played well. They could have won the game yesterday. We could have won the game. Uh, it could have gone either way, but I'm happy with the win. I thought that, you know, Frankie makes a huge difference. Petri makes a huge difference. Uh, we still can see the chances, though, with, with Petri on the pitch. So it will be interesting to see the... I know that you're an NBA guy, and in basketball, I believe they have like a plus-minus rating for mm-hmm. players, where you see the difference in, uh, in, in points when players are on the pitch and when they're off the pitch. It'll be interesting to see that for Petri, because the last two seasons... Like the difference between Petri playing or Petri not playing in terms of points one per game is huge. Like it's it's incredible. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, 
things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Well, yeah, what was it? it was earlier, it was with 77% they win with him. And was it? It's, I think it's like 54% they, they win without him. I mean, that's how, yeah. that's how crazy those three points are for him. Again, that's all yeah. off the top of my head. Like last time I checked it a few months ago, but I mean, he's been hurt in that time. So, and Barcelona have now dropped in, in the last two, two matches, they've dropped two points and, and that continued to happen. And, and yes, like, as I said, like Pedri throughout this season, I, it's the argument I keep having that when you looked at yesterday, who was important for Barcelona? Ter Stegen? not say stood in his head, but he was where he needed to be. And he got the two saves that, that Barcelona needed to win the three points. Not only was Araujo really good through the middle defensively as always, but Araujo was the one that set Rafinha free on the right side to cross that ball into Ferran Torres. Ferran still had a bunch of work to do. And Rafinha did a really good job to get his hips all the way around to cross that ball. And, and Ferran had so much space in the middle and was so wide open because Rafinha actually delivered that ball probably earlier than Atletico Madrid was expecting like he cut it back instead of cutting it around like you would expect to that that near post and so that that put Ferran Torres ahead just a uh, low and hard and perfectly pass that in but that ball from Araujo is the one that I continue to say this season are the moments that I kind of write down that's why I take notes for every game and I can tell you that over the course of Langley's career when he first arrived and I went oh boy he's left footed great <laughs> but this guy does not break lines with his passing it just didn't happen for Langley in his final season, it happened a little bit. But unfortunately, that final season, you remember with Lang Lei, was juxtaposed with him making insane errors on the yeah, ball. Like can we, can we right? not talk about Lang Lei's final season, please? Thank you. Sure, sure, sure. But he, he, might, hey, he might get the club 12 to 15 million from Tottenham this summer. So we might be able to say adieu without saying, having to get, push him out the door. But anyway, for, so for him, but even in that final season, it was frustrating because, yes, as poor as he was defensively, his ball playing ability was coming along ever so slowly, and he was able to break a few more lines than he did. And Araujo is that same marker where it's progress is not this thing where I go, oh, like, I mean, it, for example, Balde was the, the counter argument to this, where Balde from week to week, we're like, oh my gosh, like this kid is learning on the fly. He's a teenager, so he's like a sponge and he's getting better and better. And now since he's become a regular the last three, four months, you felt like, okay, like, does he have good performance or bad performance like a regular professional? And Araujo with playing the ball at his feet, like it's what is the other team doing? What are they forcing him to do? Right. And I think a lot in the Champions League in the fall, you saw the issues with Araujo playing out of the back because teams did. I mean, and we're saying elite counter pressing teams asked him to be the guy to beat them. So they opened up that space for him to beat them. And he wasn't able to do that on, on a few occasions in the fall, including against Bayern Munich, which is the most notable. However, in the Liga, as especially as the season has gone along, and not to say that he gains more confidence because obviously he's a confident defender, but on the ball, he continues to gain confidence. And so that ball yesterday is just one ball, sure, but it's one of those things that I write down in my notes and I can then put my little search bar that says Araujo pass or Araujo ball. And I look back at those, name, uh, those word combinations and say over the course of a season, how many times did he have a line-breaking pass that led to something really great? The pre-assist, the assist before the assist. And yesterday was just another one of those times where it's Atletico Madrid, a big opponent, in a big moment to probably help you win the Liga and Araujo delivered a pretty fantastic ball. So those are things that I think of at the end of the season. It is a great positive thing. You know what I saw? I, I arrived like 20 minutes or I arrived, went to the stadium 20 minutes early. Uh, so I caught like uh, part of the warm-up and part of the warm-up is that they play long passes to each other. Sure. And uh, Araujo actually controlled one of them behind his standing leg. You know how Neymar used to receive the ball sometimes? Like yeah. one of those passes across the pitch and he flicks it like he, he, he catches it, putting his leg, his right leg behind his left leg. Mm -hmm. Like that's what Araujo did during warm-up. I was like, oh, imagine him doing that during a game once. Like we would go insane if he did that during yeah, a game. Yeah, it's um, 
I don't know why. Maybe it's because the NBA playoffs and kind of tuning in for once because I don't really like talking about basketball. I hate when people always have to bring up basketball when, uh, uh, when talking about soccer, when you talk about soccer with Americans. But, you know, since, since I, I can am. do hockey too. You want me to do hockey? I mean, I also worked in baseball for five or six years. So, I mean, if we, <laughs> I, I, you're fortunate that I'm not doing baseball or hockey. Yeah. But anyway, either way. I, I, I like hockey. I mean, if, if we're talking about Atletico Madrid, it did kind of resemble a hockey match those last 15 <laughs> minutes of, <laughs> yesterday, right? That's true. They don't, they, except you can go in the box. I mean, that would be a cool idea that you put, well, I mean, Raul Garcia, right? It'd be great to have Raul Garcia have a five-minute penalty in the box for, for slashing mm. or cross-checking or, or biting or whatever Raul Garcia does. So he can sit in the box for five minutes. So yeah, that'd be a cool thing to incorporate, but I mean, even yesterday, yeah, you mentioned the physicality, just throwing yellow cards everywhere. And I, you know what's weird, though, about yesterday's game? There are those Atletico matches where I feel like both teams got punched in the mouth. The ref might have lost control, whatever. But I felt like yesterday's ref was kind of just getting himself in trouble, where it's like, I didn't think that either team were taking too much out of each other. Like, I don't know. Like, it didn't, it didn't seem like the match got out of hand on either team's side. Like, I felt like there was quality on both sides. They both had ideas. They both understood the stakes of that game. And I don't think it became too messy, but the ref just kind of gave yellows as if the game had gotten out of hand or had gotten messy or whatever. I, I was a bit confused by that in the second half. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he had a great uh, great um, match, but it's not as, he, as if he made any huge errors. I, I, yeah, I don't but know. I, I think so, that's my sometimes argument. He, sometimes he made decisions that, you know, yeah. we were looking at each other like, what is he doing? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like the argument is that like I think both these those teams are kind of just playing it out, right? Like they both mm-hmm. of those teams weren't trying to have the referee decide the game for them. Like they were both yeah. trying to play that game out. Yeah, no, it's it's difficult. Also, it's difficult to judge in the stadium because we don't get we don't get the replays. They obviously don't play the replays on on the on on the big screen that's above the stands because they don't want to uh, incite the crowd if the referee yeah, gets yeah. it wrong. You know, the girl that sits next to me usually she listens to uh, to Raku. Uh, which is a local radio station. So usually when something happens, she she listens real quick and she tells me like, oh, no, it, it's a handball. They're saying it on Raku. Oh, no, it's a penalty. We're screwed. And yesterday she did actually say that it was hands, but... You're talking about the Busquets one? The one that was... Yeah, the Busquets one. The, the Busquets one. Yeah, I mean, again, seeing that replay a bunch of times, I felt like that was not an unnatural position. And like the distance between the header on that ball and then hitting... Busquets' arm, I felt like that's why if he had initially called a handball, I think there's the argument, right? Like that she was saying, but I think because he did not call it a handball initially, I don't see any way to overturn that. Because again, I think he was in with when jumping, it was a natural position. And yeah, because he was losing his natural. balance, right? Because he was like yeah, being yeah. pushed forward. So how are you going to be pushed forward? How are you going to be pushed forward and keep your hands by your side? Well, you're going right? to fall, was... fall in your mouth. Like... Right. I think it was Jimenez who had the, the header. I mean, I think like when I saw it initially, I thought it was a foul. I mean, which mm-hmm. I think like, and I, I think that's what it would that's what it should have been. I think it was a foul on Jimenez pushing, I believe it was Kunde into Busquets, if anything. So, yeah, right, I don't know. I right. feel that one. And then Busquets getting the yellow himself makes sense to me. But totally unnecessary yellow for him in the second half. But, you know, that means he'll miss Rayo, which I think is something short. But, I mean, I'm not too, not to say bent out of shape about it, but it's not a bad thing that Busquets gets to, <laughs> to rest Wednesday after Atletico Madrid on Sunday. Like, that's not the biggest deal with Pedri likely fit enough to start. So you're going to start De Jong and Pedri and Gabi and, or, or Kessie, and even in a four. So I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, maybe Dembélé can get some minutes. Who knows? But now I messed up my great basketball analogy. So Araujo receiving the ball like be- behind his leg, uh, a-, a long pass in- during the warm-up. That's like Shaquille O'Neal, like shooting threes in practice. Because I've seen videos of him shooting them in practice and basically like swish, 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 Shaq. And, you know, he tried it once in an all-star, in an all-star game and he airballed it. Yeah. Uh, well, that, you know, that, that, that's not to get into a basketball conversation, but it's like the free throw thing. Even it's like so much psychological when you're in like a, a, an arena full of people. Like NBA players, I'm about to get back to football in a second, but NBA players, pretty much all of them can drain threes, like consistently, like eight out of ten three pointers in practice. Every single one of them, all of them can do amazing, immaculate things. If you were able to watch a full practice, like they're professionals for a reason. And the same thing goes for football players. Footballers, whatever you say that they can't do in practice or in training when it's not those one moments, like they can do that thing that you're saying that they can't do. Exactly. Which which actually I think is a good transition, by the way, to talk about Lewandowski because Lewandowski, obviously yesterday, a lot of conversation as well about him. And 
both he and Gabi were having an awful time receiving the ball in tight spaces. Now, one, you credit Atletico Madrid for that. Because if there's one team to expect that you're going to be not have the time to either turn or even receiving it with your back, that knowing that there's going to be two guys on you in a second and you're going to have to know what you're going to do with the ball before you do it. So receiving in those tight spaces against Atletico Madrid, very difficult, very difficult. So give them a little credit. Part two of that, I think, is somebody brought up in the YouTube comments, credit to this person about Dembele, how still without Dembele, Lewandowski, it, it doesn't open up those passes from the wings. So other than that one cross from Rafinha, Lewandowski is just not receiving through the middle. So he's, I mean, uh, through, on the wing. So he's only really receiving through the middle. And without Pedri, who is your best deliverer of that ball <laughs> through the middle, through those interior channels. Now, Busquets, I think, much longer range, of course. So Busquets had that one to the left half space over the top to Lewandowski. Busquets is, is great in that. But as far as Busquets and the distance between he and Lewandowski, you're not going to see as many of those passes that Pedri does deliver to Lewandowski to give him that kind of space. Right. And so for Lewandowski... I just want to add to that. Yeah. So it's it's not just that, um, you know, the passes that he receives, because Dembele and Pedri have not given that many assists to Lewandowski this season. Primary um, assists. Yeah, yeah. It, I agree with that. It, it's the space that opens up with those two on the pitch. Dembele, he opens up so much space because your opponent, like whoever you play, it doesn't matter who you play, they know that they need two people to defend that guy. You cannot yeah. leave him just with one person because pff, dead in the water. And 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 Pedri, the way that he uh, temporizes the game, that just creates space all over the pitch. So a lot more than, oh yeah, you need them because they can pass the ball to, to Lewandowski. No, Lewandowski just has more space with those two guys on the pitch. Now, right. And so I'm glad we established that, like creating that idea. Sure. Like that is very much like, I also, the third part of this, I add the back injury that he's still dealing with that he probably won't heal do for the off season, but Xavi does play in 90 minutes every match. So it's like, you can only take that excuse so far. Like if the back injury is so bad, then Xavi will find something else to do. Right. If it's that bad, if he, if he's unfit, however, like, again, that is the, we'll say all the excuses that I think is very fair to how this team is built. And again, systemically without Dembele and without Pedri, what that's meant for Lewandowski and, and space on the field. In the same regard, I think yesterday was an example where there was fair criticism for Lewandowski for A, taking a bit too many touches at times, especially trying to put himself in shooting positions. And B, I think it's totally fair to criticize him. I mean, maybe you saw some dip in the, in the, in the stadium, but that miss in the 76 minute, even if it was, I mean, maybe it was offside. Sure. But I'm not, I don't know about that, but I mean, that wide miss, I mean, how selfish to just square it over to Rafinha. The only thing I ask about that today, devil's advocate is would Rafinha with and or Anzu or Farron with how much all four of them desperately want to put that ball in the net right now to prove something to themselves and their team and Kulis and everything with the pressure no. that's on each four of them. Would any of the four of them have squared that ball? You think all no. four of them take that shot? No, no, that's you, you pass that ball nine out of 10 times. No, but I, that's what I'm asking. I'm saying you think all the other three of them, Rafinha, Anzu and Farron Torrey, do you think those three all deliver that 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 centering pass for whoever you know whoever the other guy may be. The only other and, player in the world who shoots that instead of passing it is Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> 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 like, even even Messi passes that ball. Like, everybody passes that ball. It's yep. It was yeah, and that's why I think that's it, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Unjustifiable. You pass that ball. Like yeah, he, had I mean, all the, he had all the time yeah. in the world. And Rafinha was wide open. Like there, there's no excuse. And I, I think that the follow-up question then for you is what that does bring up is that dilemma with Lewandowski. That let's say, uh, uh, well, actually, let's say it was Alakon in that game. That uh, or I, I want, don't use Alakon. Let me use Vita Roca instead. Let's say Barcelona bring in Vita Roca next year, right, to back up Lewandowski. If Vita Roca takes that shot and doesn't pass that ball, there is a zero percent chance he starts Ryabakano on Wednesday. And he likely isn't starting the following Saturday either. Like, it, 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 it's done. But we know, again, systemically, because there is no backup, but also because it's Lewandowski. I don't know how much is one reason and which one is the other. Is it because it's Lewandowski and he's on his wages and he is the bigger that he is? And also because Barca doesn't have any center forwards. Both those reasons, but which is which? Xavi's just going to start him. Like, it just it kind of has to be forgotten. It has to be forgiven. And, you know, at that level and at his age, there is no lesson to be learned. While a younger player... It's a teaching moment. For that, it's just like 
criticism and he just has to live with that criticism, I guess. Right. I mean, I not say I answered it myself, but I mean, that's up to Xavi. That's not up to us. Like, uh, I would play on. What do you think he's going to do? Like, well, I mean, what would you do if you were Xavi? Like, I I know Xavi is Xavi, but what would you do in that circumstance? I, I, I would sit him next sit him the next match. It's not as if uh, he's playing particularly well, so I wouldn't sit him as a punishment either. You know, just rotation, three matches in in one week or in eight days. Yeah, this is a good moment to sit Lewandowski, especially after what he did on 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 Sunday, which is a crime against humanity, pretty much. Yeah, I mean he's a thirty-five year with a bad back. Like that's that's reason enough. Like I don't even need to talk about them. The the the, the lack of a pass. Like you know, I, mean, I know. And 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 his contract, like three years from now, it's insane. Yep, he's gonna get a raise next year. And so the stat I had yesterday, I mean, we don't have to talk about Limini Mall, but his very presence on the bench, I think, is notable for this podcast. But the other stat on the other side of that was Lewandowski to, uh, will end this season as the fifteenth oldest player in Barca history with multiple years on his deal. So he has the, the opportunity. Now, the one thing I, the only caveat to that is that players today, obviously, play a lot longer than they did. I mean, you're really beginning to talk about ages in the, the literally the 90s and 2000s, when players actually had the fitness to play beyond 31 or 32 before their bodies were completely broken, right? And so you're really only talking about 30 years. But in the last, you know, arguably 30 years, I mean, as much as I say that, actually, though, Cesar Rodriguez played till he was, on, what, he was a 35, 36. Like, those kind of level players, like the best of the best. Juan Segarra, the little captain from the 50s, played almost un- until his 40s. He was in his late 30s. Uh, Miguelie played until his uh, late 30s. So there are other examples throughout time, like real servants of the club. Joaquin Rife, who played for, for decades and a long time for the club. But anyway, Lewandowski was brought in almost at that age. He was brought in as the, the 16th oldest player or the 18th oldest player in Barca history. And now he's multiple wow. years on the deal. So yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because his, his third year, he's going to earn like astronomical wages. Right. So mm-hmm. it's hard to judge. Let's put it that way. I think one, one of the things, and you know that this summer I was careful. I was not like that set against the Palancas, uh, against the Levers, but if it were up to me, I would not have spent all that money on players um, because I would be fine with not competing in Europe for one or two years uh, while we build a, build our squad. On the other hand, Lewandowski is part of the reason why the stadium is full, or not full, mm-hmm. but why we have the best attendance in Europe this this season. There's so many games where I see Polish people yeah. in the stadium. The Polish flags. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. That that is the introduction of the more most Polish flags I've ever not say ever seen, but yeah, you you see them on TV every time they're just scanning in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, and you know sometimes they sit right behind me or they're present. Like I see them in the stadium, not just on the grounds, not just around the stadium when match time, but usually there's at least like two or three Polish people in 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 my section. So I'm not saying that you know the attendance of Polish fans makes up for all of the money that we're spending on Lewandowski. But I'm sure that economically, when we see the cost, we're not accounting for the fact that there is some benefit there as well, right? And not just with Lewandowski, but also some of the other players that we bought or that we signed. Yeah, I mean, I would say even, again, all I can ever judge is my own numbers. And behind the scenes, I can say that while people are frustrated by the Champions League and numbers dip, and, and there are people that are only here for Barcelona contend in the Champions League, there are certainly more people here now that Barcelona are able to win the Liga and look like they're on the right path and there is some optimism. And they do have a strong squad at almost every position. Again, with your Gala 11, even if the bench still financially, uh, you know, the, again, the financial situation in the club means the bench still stinks. That, that, that is what it is. But I, as far- I don't think our bench is that bad. Why are we taking this as as an established fact and especially people say that we're not planning we're not planning it but tell me your your gala 11 i think that gala 11 is, that's what six and oh this season is ter stegen arajo kunde christensen balde busquets de young pedri gabi Rafi, uh dembele Lewandowski. That 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 that, that, is, that team is undefeated. I, and when I say drop off, okay. I do. I mean, I don't know. Like, I do kind of mean a drop off because the drop off in the Champions League is Araujo being Araujo in for PK means they're they're 
into the knockouts of the of the Champions League. Like 100%. Like, and then even the, the, the recent slide, you get rid of Christensen, Dembele, Pedri, and De Young, and it's been like, we're, 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 you know, you've got one foot behind you. You're dragging one foot behind you for the last almost month and a half because those four players are out. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm taking exception with individual players. Like, maybe stink is hyperbole, but I'm not saying like, because you're right, like Marcus Alonso has been solid this year in, the, in many, many occasions. He's had three or four stinkers, but so has Gabi. So has Dembele. Like, all the players have had stinkers. Uh, but my issue is that, I think this is what I, I talked about last week even, that Xavi's system, because of the individual freedom that so many players have, when you take, again, not stink, but when you take a Pedri out of this team, the drop-off is just, again, it's not the fault of Kessie or Roberto or or even Pablo Torre, whoever it may be. It's just that Pedri is so essential the way they play. Same thing with Dembele. Yeah. You're, you're asking them to play a totally different way without this Gala 11. So when I say the bench stinks, it's that this bench, the, these players on this bench, they, they, cannot be, they cannot be substituted 1v1. You almost have to change uh, entire passages of play just to make up for one or two injuries or three injuries throughout the course of a season, unfortunately. I, I think yes and no. So the, the only real problem is that if Pedri is out of the team, then everything falls apart, which is why, which is why despite his age, uh, I see why it makes sense to sign uh, Gundogan uh, from, from City. Mm-hmm. Because Gundogan can play any position in midfield and he can kind of perform that Pedri role for us yeah. like and not, not to be too agreeable with you but uh, i very rarely green light those 30 year olds people know that but this is one example where i i would green light that one like if you only get one 30 year old going again is the one i'm saying like no yeah. offense to nega martinez i understand the purpose and we're not i'm i think we're not talking about messi at all here but i'm saying it's like other 30 year olds that you've heard even obama yang which apparently built up steam if i have to choose between obama yang and Gundogan because there's way too many 30 year olds in the team oh, i'm picking the yeah. midfielder no Gundogan makes makes more sense uh, yep also because Obama Young is a striker and like he's not going to be fast forever. So um, because one of the big things that he does well is that he's fast. But I think Rafinha, yeah, you you notice the difference between him and Dembélé because of course Dembélé is almost a superstar. You're going to notice the difference in individual quality when Dembélé is off the pitch. But what Rafinha has given us from somebody who is not in our gala 11 he has maybe even given us better numbers than Dembele. you know that's that's not that's not at all bad then i think ferran and ansu are are excellent squad players the only thing is that unfortunately uh, they they have had poor seasons but they're good players mm-hmm. they're, they're talented players so you cannot tell me that hey you know that there, there's no bench if you have rafinha and ansu on the bench they're players that most teams would love to have a starters. You know, sure, maybe not the top, the top five, the top six, the top eight teams, but uh, give me a top ten team in Europe. Benfica. Benfica. Yeah, they're in, the quarter, they're, they're, they're in the quarterfinals right now. Yeah. Uh, somebody like Ferran or Ansu could perfectly be a starter at Benfica on on decent form. So. You know, don't, don't don't tell me that we don't have that in the defense. We have Jordi Alba. Would Jordi Alba start for for top ten, top fifteen team? Yeah, probably. Depending on yeah, probably. And and he's our backup left back right now. We started the season with Kunde, Araujo, Piquet, Eric Garcia, and we didn't even know it, but Alonso as center back options. So we had that there. The only the only position in which we struggle a bit is right back. But here also, Sergio Roberto is a lot is a much better footballer than people are giving credit for. Yeah, I mean so, if anything, his injury issues have been the bigger issue than he has in first quality over the last few seasons. I mean, I think the injury concerns are the bigger are the bigger problem because he's yeah. he's missed what, sixty I think he's missed sixty five percent of all games in the last three seasons, which is just that's a lot to pay him. Yeah. Uh, the wages they made they paid him this year. But again, he's gonna renew for pennies. So, yeah. Yeah. I th- I think the the biggest mistake that we made in planning is letting Nico Gonzalez go, because mm-hmm. we let Nico go, and and then we let uh, Pjanic go. Xavi should have made the choice. Xavi should have told told Nico not you stay. Uh, um, Pjanic. Xavi should have made the choice. Xavi should have said, 
to Nico, you're not leaving because you're going to play, period. Mm-hmm. And then Pjanic goes, and we're fine. And then we can rotate Pedri a bit more. We don't have to run Pedri into the ground. That That's where we suffered this season, midfield. Yeah, I mean, I also think the the time it takes, like, again, that adaptation time, especially when you have a big summer like that, when you bring in five new, six new players, like, for example, like Kessie and how valuable he is today is a lot different than how valuable he was in September and October. So the club did suffer before Kessie had totally adapted to to playing at Barcelona. And I think the same can be said of a bunch of different players. Like Barcelona is very fortunate. Like, again, a testament to Christensen that you felt, especially in that loss to Real Madrid, the Christensen Alonso drop off was as good of a season as Alonso could, could have been said to have. It felt like Christensen missing was a big loss, like that, that drop off with Christensen. And the fact that he adapted so quickly to Barcelona, certainly a compliment to him. But, you know, I sometimes think that the adaptation time is overrated. Because mm. how, how many times don't you see a player arrive at a club and the first six months, he's amazing. And then the next year, the next six to 12, 18 months. They struggle, yeah. They, they, they struggle in the, yeah. and they end up leaving the club. I mean, maybe we have to add a caveat that it seems like midfielders at Barcelona, because of how important that position is at the club and the dogma of those training sessions, even though it changes from manager to manager and X and O's, sure. But I, I don't know. I think midfielders and, and midfielders and we'll say pseudo forward slash midfielders like Antoine Griezmann, Coutinho, like those are the guys that truly, truly struggle, I think, across the board. Like oh, Antoine Griezmann did not struggle. Come on. No, not in his second Ant- season. No, no. I mean, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'm saying this is Antoine Griezmann <laughs> saying himself. I struggled in my first year at Barcelona. I had a hard time adapting. And my second year, I really enjoyed I'm, that's not a referendum on his whole Barcelona career. I'm saying it's like, that's what he said. And so I have to believe him. I mean, that's what a lot of players, even Paulinho, well, going back to Paulinho they, a few I'm, weeks ago. I mean, I mean, they put him on the left. They put Griezmann on the left. This first and, I guess he didn't, and he didn't adapt to that fast enough. And that's why he's saying he had trouble adapting. So whatever the reason may be, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's pa- 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 Paulinho was a midfielder. He was great in his first half season. And then he sucked in the last half season. I mean, maybe. He said he had a hard time adapting, too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why these players are saying this, then. No, uh, they, they say that because, you know, they always speak in cliches. But Paulinho yeah. was amazing the first the first five months. And then the last five, six months, he was the Paulinho that everybody expected that we would get. Yeah. Fabregas, another example. How good was Fabregas when he just arrived at the club? He was awesome. Yeah. And then... Downhill. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have as many good examples, so I, I'll have to chalk you up with a W here. There you go. You get a, you get a late. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're just talking, man. This is not about winning the argument. Come on. All right. Well, okay. Now, this isn't really an argument either. Uh, last little point here about Lamini Mall, who did not play. So it's weird to take time to take about a player who did not play. But even making the bench was historic because, you know, I, I, I was wondering. I kept hearing first 15-year-old, and I knew that wasn't true. I knew I had done the homework on this, that it wasn't true. And it's, it, that was correct, that he would not be the, the only 15-year-old, but he would be the youngest by actually a considerable margin if he debuted in the last nine games of the season. Because, I really think he was going to be the fourth, the fourth youngest, but I, no, I don't know what's it's, true either. It's, it's first. It's first. It's the, the, it's, so oddly enough, as I was doing this research, uh, not even research, it's really easy to just literally put it in the Google machine and follow enough links and, and you'll find the answers. But I found that a lot of the players who debuted for Barcelona who are of this age, teenagers, either debuted in the teens and the, as in like 1910s and 1920s, because again, the club was still basically, a, you know, and not an amateur side because they, what they get professionals in 1919, whatever it was. But anyway, so they were still like literally looking for like college students who kicked the ball around or, or kids in the area who were promising or whatever. So a lot of these players who debuted as teenagers debuted in the 1920s or the 21st century. So Boyan, Gabi, Mark Miniesta, Lionel Messi, mm. and then of course, Ansu Fati. But the youngest debut in Barca history is Armand Martinez Saji, who has a very famous sister. It's a story for another time. But he was at the time 15 years and 11 months old when he debuted in 1922. Six months younger. Uh, than- I, want, I, I, want, I want to know about the sister. That's going to be a YouTube video in the summertime. So I'll make sure to send it your way immediately. Yeah, yeah. So Come anyway, on. and then six months younger than that was Paulinho Alcantara when he debuted in 1913. Well, yeah, well, now, now I got to, uh, to, to tease it a little bit. So she was actually the first 
female director of, of Barcelona, among another of other things, having actually a much more successful sporting career than many of the sporting directors at Barcelona almost in their history. But anyway, okay. So then he was six months younger than Paulinho Alcantara, who debuted in 1913. People know I did a feature on him too. We've talked about him before. And then Vicente Martinez is a name you always hear, 16 years, nine months. So because he does not turn 16 until July, Lamine Mall would be the youngest debut for Barcelona in their entire history, which is pretty incredible. And what I did not know, I thought his contract was up. Well, sorry, not up, but I thought they had to sign professional contracts at 16. But that mm-hmm. is not the case. I guess with him, he has like a year because his deal isn't up until 2024. So he's restructured his deal, I guess. He can, he's going to sign that professional contract with Jorge Mendez, who is already his agent in 2024, I guess. But I think the club wants to, in theory, have him sign that professional deal beginning now and then extending that beyond, obviously beyond 2024, but then for three or four more years. Then yeah, and trying to get that business done this summer. But uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, are we to believe that Xabi is really that impressed with him? Or are we to believe that all age groups have always been very impressed with him? You know, I, I first heard of him when he was 12, 13 years old. He's still just 15. So that was only two or three years ago. But yeah, I mean, he's been such a highly rated player for so long. And he is that inside forward that can kind of do everything at youth level. And even with his size, it seems like Xavi is confident in his abilities to, to dribble and to, to understand the game positionally where he needs to be. So yeah, I mean, it would, it would be history making. And I, I don't know. I'm somewhere between, yes, it's kind of a contract PR move, sure. But I think it also has to do with, we have to believe that Xavi is seeing some kind of talent. Like, you know what I mean? Like Xavi's kind of gassing him up a little bit because you're obviously going to give nothing but praise to a 15-year-old kid. You know what you mean? You don't destroy him. But in the same breath, like he wouldn't put him on the bench even at the at Atletico Madrid because I didn't think he'd make the bench. I thought he would play against Olat or or Castellon in, in the beginning of the preseason when they played that Catalan game in July or whatever. I thought that's when we would first see him. But no, like he's already made the bench and that is history in itself. And in the press conference, Xavi just said that he trained like incredibly well. Since January, uh, by the way. Like since the World yeah. Cup. Like he's yeah. we've been hearing this since the World Cup. And that he's really impressed about, you know, how he's fifteen years old. He just goes and trains with the first team. And still, still he impresses. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. I, I heard his dad is a Madrid fan. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you hear that, but yeah. Other than other than Pedri, obviously the club that's the the, the propaganda sometimes. Other than like Pedri's family who were Kool Aids, and you hear that, like, I mean, most of these professionals, I think at any age, are going to just choose. Like, even the 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 other example of that is like Sabios. Like when Sabios said that his family was Madridistas, like we had to believe him, <laughs> you know, because like Sabios is the other part of that argument. But in the same regard, Sabios did entertain the idea i remember doing podcasts about him in 20 uh was it 17 or 18 whatever it was that 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 he was considering real madrid and barcelona and then he picked real madrid and the rest is history but i think there's also a picture of him on the internet somewhere where he was 14 years old wearing a barca jersey of course and the medium all is 15 years old so but he's also been with the academy i think since he was eight so he's been there not say a long time but he's already been like in that world for six, seven, yeah. eight years now. So yeah. he's literally grown up there. Yeah, definitely. Yep, definitely. But... No, it, it'll be cool. Like, uh, you know, I, I hope we have money to sign up our young ones. Yeah, like... right. I mean, there was, there was a, that was that time that that's how you knew that there was real issues where those young kids were asking, like in Elash Moriba, for example, was asking $3 million a season when they were yeah, 16, and... 17 years old. And that's just like, the club has to hardline. That's too much. So fortunately, it is Jorge Mendes, I guess, and not somebody else, because you know that they're going to try to do a, a Barcelona-friendly deal, if you will, for him. But my only my only consideration with that contract, and there's no way to know this because we don't actually have the paper, so we don't know the clause and stuff, but I'm interested to see what his first team's incentives and things like that are going to be, because those exist in those contracts. I would expect that Jorge Mendes, who's also the agent of Ansu Fati, remember, will have something very similar. Because when Ansu signed that professional deal at 16, remember he made his debut at 16 years, nine months. So he signed it right before he made his debut, but he was already in first team training, that being Ansu, on occasion when Esteva Verde, as he was signing that deal over the summer, over the summertime, no, or yeah, October, he signed it when his birthday was. So yeah, I, I, it's, it's hard to tell exactly what those incentives are going to yeah. be and how soon he'll be in the first team based on contract triggers and things like that. But Right, yeah, and I the thing is that, that now those kids are 16, 
and Premier League teams can pay them so much more mm-hmm. than we can. And they will have known about him since he was 10 years old yep. already. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are League of Promises. Like, for example, as I said, like I saw, what was it? Um, he's a U16 player now, Tony, uh, Tony Caraveca, or he might even be U19, whatever it was. I'm getting old, but... Anyway, I saw him at the League of Promises, right? And I wrote that name down. And I'm like, if I wrote that name down, I was sitting like 10 feet away from a Man City scout who had like the whole like, you know what I mean? Like the jumpsuit and the polo. And I was like, oh, that guy, like he smells like, you know, wine and importance. And he's like, what's he doing here in New Jersey? <laughs> the League of Promises. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And so like he's sitting there and I'm, and we're watching Barcelona Valencia in Newark, New Jersey, right? Or wherever hmm. we were like. Jersey, uh, we were in Jersey City, whatever it was. This is like, you know, seven, eight years ago. So, all right. Last, last thing here is I do want to make sure that I give a Femini update real quick. On Saturday, the Femini beat Chelsea one nothing in London, courtesy of fourth minute goal from Caroline Graham Hansen. That was the first leg of the Champions League semifinals. So as you've heard, you heard me reiterate a number of times this season, if Caroline Graham Hansen is healthy, she's been Barcelona's most important player all season long, and she raises uh, his team to Champions League winning levels. That is That was a good goal too. What's a good goal? She's had a lot of good goals yeah. this season. <laughs> Hat tricks, like really? whatever. So if okay. she's fit, she is good. That's basically been the thing. I mean, it's very much like a Pedri case. If she's fit, she has been good. The return leg is on Thursday at the Camp No, and I will try to cover that game just as a programming note. I have the podcast scheduled for that day, but I do plan on doing something afterwards about the Femini either Thursday as well or Friday. So the other tie, by the way, was 2-2, Wolfsburg and Arsenal in Germany, and there's everything to play for with that one. Arsenal. I think would have been favorites that I mentioned here. Arsenal, I think would have been favorites in that tie with the amount of just on paper talent they have, including toe to toe with Barcelona, but they have had just an insane number of injuries, including even the last week. So there is a, I mean, there is a ton of talent still kicking about for them, but you know, I think Arsenal, they, I mean, they are just a skeleton crew trying to hold it down in the champions league. So that is why that one's probably two, two and not all on Arsenal, but that one takes place on Monday, that being next Monday. So Barcelona Chelsea winner will need to wait to find their opponent for a few days. So they'll have to sit around. But again, Barcelona took care of business on the road against Chelsea, as actually they did against Roma as well. I believe that one was one nothing, if I remember right, as well. And then they came home and just splattered them. And so, I mean, I would expect in front of the Camp No crowd, something kind of similar. It may not be 5-1 five, whatever, five one or whatever it was against Roma, but... I would not be surprised if Barcelona does walk out of there for me nothing. It would be an upset if Chelsea does get any kind of result against Barcelona. Man, I hope we win, and especially because I'm taking my daughter to the stadium for the game. So cool. I know she'll be like super disappointed if we lose. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Tough day. So I hope that your daughter has some celebrate on Thursday. Again, I'll have the podcast out there and Ryan Marcano's on Wednesday. So look out for those five hundred as well. Again, for everything for the end of the season, we're still trudging ahead. Liga Trophy, while it feels locked up, there's still work to be done. So I'll be doing that work too as well. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this week, whatever. So follow him, Twitter, down in the show notes below. And then we're at the Barcelona Pod pretty much everywhere. You know, the listener questions I got last week was from the closed Facebook group. Answer the questions, I let you in. Don't answer the questions, I don't let you in. Pretty pretty simple. And then YouTube as well is where all that video content is. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barca. Visco Barca. Visco Catalunya.